for the next couple of Sundays, next Sunday an exception, I will be dealing with this business of, forgive me, not the business, the topic of baptism. It comes out of the text. It is not a beef that I have. It is the text, as especially the passage read from uh, Colossians 2, that Paul is saying that the logical outcome and the whole aspect of our death and resurrection with Christ, it is, it is display in baptism. And I want to go through that for this or one or two more Sundays. And so I pray that you will not only have an interest in the subject, but have an interest because the Bible speaks about it, and that's what I desire to be faithful to. Let's pray. We have already sung our God, Speak, O Lord, from your holy word. And I stand, our God, not to give my opinion on the word of God, but to proclaim it. And I can only proclaim it effectively as the Holy Spirit takes me and hides me in himself and speak through me so that what is heard will be received as God's word and what is obeyed will be obeyed as God being Lord. Bless the next few minutes as we take time to deal with the subject of baptism. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians, of Ephesians, well, that too, but right now it's Colossians chapter 2. And in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 11, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a subject that comes out of a subject, if you please. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you look in verse 11, chapter 2 of Colossians 2, 11, he said this, And in him you also were circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands, a contrast to the Jewish practice of circumcision. The circumcision with the Jews, as we will see, was a covenant made with Abraham and his descendants, something that was to be done by the father of the child, the male child. But then he says, but there is a circumcision that was made without hands, So it is not physical. You've got to keep that in mind because it will affect you and as it affected me when I became a believer. So he goes on to say, made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh, and you see the connection between Romans 6 and Colossians 2. And then he goes on to say, having been buried with him in baptism... So you can see that even though we might have understood what took place initially, we have not really understood all that took place when Christ died on the cross. There is something uniquely there that was done from God's point of view that if we understood it, our whole salvation will take on a different, different uh, meaning to us. Not only are we saved from hell. Not only are we saved from sins, we are saved from eternal damnation, but we are saved in order that. And that's part of what Randy was talking about this morning when he's talking about when he was talking about our class that we have. 
one of the many things that we love to watch during the Olympics is to watch the different countries coming in with their flags. And they're marching and they're exuberant about what's going on. And, and I, I, I usually look for two flags. I was born in Central America, so I looked for the flag of Belize. It doesn't take long to find them. <laughs> About a dozen of them. And then I look for the country that has become my own country, from which I carry a passport. Um, and by the way, um, I need to get that thing renewed again. Uh, or like one person suggests, I might have to do my messages by Skype. But then I look for, for Canada and the United States and Great Britain and on and on and on it goes. And then when someone wins an event, the flag of that particular country is raised. And you know precisely, and if you know flags, and I love to study those things, even if you do not know what country won, if you know the flag, you can tell what country has won by the location of the flag that goes in the center. Baptism is a distinction like that. As I was, as I was sitting down, uh, hours in preparation for this morning, I, I thought, think, think of me and my wife. If, if when I was getting married to Lois, and we were talking about the preparations, and I said, you know, I love you, I want to marry you, but I don't think a, a ring is necessary. It's, after all, we could, we could with our, the money we would use for, to buy you a diamond, we, we could use for a refrigerator. <laughs> or, or, or perhaps we could use it as a down payment for the car. What do you think would be her response to me? Isn't it interesting? You see the humor of it. But have you ever thought of the fact that when it comes to baptism, that's exactly the way we think of it spiritually? You see, baptism is like a ring. A diamond ring that is given so that with this ring I thee wed, and it's the only piece of jewelry that I wear. I'm not one to wear jewelry. But every time... I go anywhere, someone knows that someone owns me. <laughs> Baptism says someone owns me. Someone has the, 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 the control of my life. Paul is saying this is what is happening. Let, let me get into my text, and I'm really seeing that I'm going to finish this two weeks from today. Consider with me the emphasis of baptism in the church's history. And I want to give you three emphasis of how baptism is used in history and in the Bible. First, the historical, the historical. Something known as the Reformation took place in 1570 
This year is going to, uh, 1517, this year is going to be the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. The Reformation was a period in the history of the world when Martin Luther, totally, totally disturbed by the Roman Catholic Church and the way in which it was doing things, where Luther tried to find peace for his soul and could not find it, did everything that the church said, went to Rome, climbed the stairs, beat himself, uh, starved himself, and yet the guilt, the awareness of not being right with God continued to haunt his soul. And one day reading Romans chapter 6, well, the book of Romans, but came to chapter 6, Luther came to understand that we are justified by faith, by faith alone, not by faith plus something else as was being brought into the church in Colossae. Well, I won't give you the whole history of that. It's a beautiful story if you ever read the story of Luther. And again, Lois and I had the opportunity of walking in that church in Wittenberg, just in a, a, a massive, massive building, and, and standing in there, you felt like a pygmy because of how massive the place is. And I, I, I pictured myself while standing there, seeing Luther with all the, 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 the officials of the, the Roman Catholic Church standing there, and they're saying to Luther, recant what you have written. And Luther said, my my mind is captivated by the word of God, and you cannot, cannot ignore your conscience unless you do so at your own expense, and I will do no other. Just beautiful thoughts. Well, out of the Reformation, people who were under the control of Roman Catholicism for a long time decided to get baptized all over, because in the Roman Catholic Church, there was baptism, or they call it baptism, and some other churches do as well, of infants. And there came arose what is known as the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists are people who were baptized again because they were all baptized as infants. That caused a great stir. And as I was thinking of this, I thought you might like to know that as, as a young child, churches that, that practice baptism of infants are churches like the Roman Catholic Church, like I said, the Anglican Church, some Lutheran Church, some Methodist Church. And, and because as a boy, my family was Methodists. And, 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 and when I was, we call it, I was christened. And I was christened in a long dress. And in 1961, all those pictures were destroyed. <laughs> I didn't do it. A storm did it. But just imagine if I were in Sotoville showing you my christening picture this morning. You would want, is that your sister? <laughs> a long white dress I was christened in. I, I think I've seen it once, and that's about it. Well, as a result of that and the church going through its difficulties, because now, if you were not a Roman Catholic that stood in power, you were on the run for following Luther. And in order to establish 
some kind of unity for the church, the churches started to write what is known as confessions or creeds. One of the best known confessions is the Heidelberg Confession. And the Heidelberg Confession is, is, is still adhered to by Reformed churches, Dutch Reformed churches and other Reformed uh, congregations, and by some Methodists, and even by some Baptists that, go, that hold on to what is known as Reformed theology, and Reformed theology is the Martin Luther theology. I want you to hear what the Heidelberg Confession asks. Listen to this. It was written in 1526. And I don't want to go into all the how it came to be. But the confession asks this in Article 74 and answers it. Are infants to be baptized? The answer goes like this in Article 74. Are infants to be baptized? Yes. For since they, as well as their parents, belong to the covenant and people of God, and both redemption from sin and the Holy Ghost, who works faith through the blood of Christ, promise to them no less than their parents that they also are baptized as a sign of the covenant. See what they're saying? As circumcision was a sign covenant, baptism becomes a sign covenant, and the same privilege that the covenant gave so that the children who are a part of that family becomes a part of the covenant people of God, in baptism the same thing happens. I differ. You will see why in a minute. And so it goes. Baptism, then, is a sign of the covenant. It is to be engrafted into the Christian church and distinguish from the children of unbelievers as one in the Old Testament by circumcision in the place which the New Testament of baptism is appointed. That's historical. There are others... I can bring up, but I want you to see the Heidelberg Confession is most of our churches, even our own evangelical church, has tenets that goes back to the Heidelberg Confession. We believe in the, in the justification by faith. We believe that, that Christ died is for our sins. He's the only Savior. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus and so on and so on. But then there are practices that come out of the confession where the difficulty comes in. That's the historical. Let's look at the biblical use of the word baptism. In Matthew 10, 33 to 38, we have the first instance of it, how it is used in the, in the New Testament. The mother and the two sons came to Jesus and asked if in heaven one could sit at the right hand and the other one can sit on the left. And Jesus asked them, do you know what you're asking? Can you be baptized with the baptism with which I am going to be baptized? Now, the way in which it was used there is to pass through fiery trials with agony to a certain point. Jesus said, I am going to be baptized with a baptism 
and you cannot be baptized that way. That's why sometimes when a person gets a new job and they're going through it, they say he's going through a baptism. That means he's beginning what he's, he's doing or what she's doing, as the case may be. Now, again, we don't have time to go into all the details. You can read it for yourself. But it is, it is spoken of here as going through a trial, a period of time that causes agony to the person going through it. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 10 and 2. 1 Corinthians 10 and 2. Paul is alluding to the people of Corinth and relating their experience to one that goes back to Moses. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 2, he said, you were all baptized into Moses. But what is this talking about is this. In this passage, what Paul is dealing with is that the people under the leadership of Moses came under his authority as they were going through the wilderness. So in, in each case, you can see that baptism is used in the Bible in different ways. But then there is the spiritual way. The spiritual way. That's Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. There is a circumcision not made with hands. So there is a picture of the New Testament baptism and the Old Testament circumcision, but they're not the same. They're not the same. And that's what, what Paul is dealing with here. Here we have what can be called a crossover. Just as the Passover was practiced until the night the institution of the communion was introduced, so baptism and circumcision have common origin because they come from God, but they do not serve the same purpose. Let's see if we can go into that. Baptism, circumcision, that was done by the father of the house, a procedure for the male child, and that identified that family as being the covenant people of God. This was done in private. This was done, again, by the one who was identified as the father of the child. In Colossians 2.12, we have a circumcision without hands. So that it is a spiritual thing that is taking place. And we have already studied this. When Jesus died on the cross, he did something for us that is going to be displayed in physical water baptism. Water baptism doesn't save anybody. And we will see as we look at the example of baptism that it is a spiritual experience that begins with the Holy Spirit as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 that we were all baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ. So the baptism without hands is what the Holy Spirit himself, through the merits of Christ, produces on our behalf, even though we might not be conscious of it. When we receive Christ as Savior, there is a circumcision without hands, that which the Holy Spirit does by baptizing us into the body, and we become a part 
of God's family through his baptism, moving us from this to that. This takes place when believers experience salvation. For one spirit, you can see it's a spiritual exercise that is being done. Now, when you are baptized physically, it is done in public, just like this ring tells you that I am owned. Baptism, physical baptism, public baptism says to everyone, I am owned, and I want you to know it. It's not only what I want you to know. We'll see in a minute that it is something that takes place as a result of a spiritual, spiritual exercise. The nature of baptism separates it from infant baptism. This is why we do not baptize children. May I repeat that? The nature of spiritual baptism separates it from infant baptism because, because, Spiritual baptism is the responsibility of an adult believer. Someone who has volitionally confessed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and they, well, will you, will you listen? This is what's happening in Israel. As as. The Ethiopian eunuch, and I will read this later on as well. He's on his way, and Philip goes to him, and Philip asks him, do you know what you're reading? This is in Acts chapter 8. Or perhaps go to Acts chapter 2 first. All the people, Acts chapter 2, 37 and 38, all the people are listening to Peter preaching. And after Peter preached... They were quickened or cut to their hearts. And they cried out to Peter, What shall we do? If what you are saying is the truth, what shall we do? And listen to Peter's words in Acts chapter 2, 37 and 38. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent and be baptized and you will receive forgiveness for your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Until that point in their lives, they were outside of God's spiritually covenanted people. But Peter said, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be not only forgiven of your sins, but you will be baptized into the body of Christ and you will become one with those who have already been a part of that body. The, the phrase circumcision by Christ or of Christ is talking about, if you please, a spiritual baptism that takes place, that moves us, that moves us from the state of lostness to a state of being the people of God as Peter says later on. So, baptism, when Jesus was going to fulfill his own ministry, 
went to John and asked John to be baptized. John, knowing what baptism meant, said to Jesus, why do you want me to baptize you? You should be baptizing me. Because John understood that baptism was what sinners do in order to become a people of God. And if Jesus is the Son of God, then why would he need to be baptized? Because he was representing God's redemptive purpose. And to, end, to begin his ministry, he was baptized with water. And, 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 and again, we'll see that what the word baptism means. It, when, I was, when I was christened, <laughs> I was sprinkled. The word baptism comes from a Greek word, baptizio, which means to cover, means to dip. When I was a little boy, my mother used to use a thing called blue, a little cube. And if she wanted to, to, to change the color of a piece of stuff, and what she used to do all the time, she would dip our piece of, piece of our... You know, it's so funny. I, 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 was, I was at some place, and I saw this guy in short pants. Then I thought, isn't that amazing? Short pants today is a, is a sign of, what do you call it, cool? One of those things. For me, it was a necessity. And, and my, my mother used to buy, some of you are as old as I am, she used to buy, you, you know, you remember... Sacks of flour used to have a, 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 a came in cloth, and and to make short pants for me, she used to buy the the, the sacks from the grocery stores, and she would dip it in blue and change it, clean it, so that I could have pants to go to school, short pants, and I couldn't wait for the day when I would wear long pants. <laughs> Today you could be walking out in public and. That is something else. Well, this is what the word really, this is what the word baptism means. Well, just imagine, just imagine. <laughs> if as a little boy being christened, the minister would take me and dip me. He would drown me. I wouldn't be able to wipe my face quickly as people do. You know, these, these are things that we know, we know but they just, they just come in here and go here. But baptism is saying a lot more than just getting dip. See, let me quickly go to the example of baptism. And I'll probably end right here today and take it up two weeks from today. The example of baptism is seen in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 28. There are three movements in the baptism that is now public for others to see. First, the prelude to baptism. Philip was appointed by God to approach a man from Africa who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. And, and, and there's so much I can say about this text. Because when the Holy Spirit said to, to Philip, go into the desert and you will meet this man, and you will see a man, and he knew precisely where to go because he was under the control of the Holy Spirit. Philip found this man reading the scroll. 
And the, part, the, the, the section he was reading from was Isaiah chapter 53. And Philip said to him, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I except someone tells me? And Philip preached Jesus to him. I'll get to that in a minute. But this is what I want you to see. Notice the man was an unbeliever. He didn't know. And before he could be baptized, he had to believe. Philip got that from Acts chapter 2, where Peter said, this is how it begins. For every person who will be baptized must be someone who has believed and has received forgiveness from Jesus. You're not born into the family. Someone said, God doesn't have any grandchildren. When you, when you become a believer, you must, you, must, you must have done, if you please, business with Jesus Christ as Savior in his death, why he was on the cross, what he was accomplishing on the cross. So salvation is necessary as a prelude to baptism. An infant doesn't know that. And that is why we do not baptize infants. An infant has no idea. In fact, the greatest appetite of the infant is I'm ready to eat. Or I'm ready to be changed. Their whole, whole passion is on themselves, and rightly so. My son is going to turn 28, as I said, Lord's willing, next week. And we hope to be there. And I want to remind him, there are certain childlike behaviors that I'm going to save for his wedding uh, when that happens. But one of the things that little tot used to do, he, he used to come into our bedroom every... He, the average hours of sleep for Christopher as a little boy was four hours. No matter, he didn't get naps in the afternoon, let me tell you. No matter what time of the night we put him to bed, four hours later, he would be there. And this one night, he jumped between Lois and me and I thought, he was kicking and kicking and kicking. And I, I, I woke up and I said, Christopher, if you kick one more time, it's back to your bed. He was just a little tot. Well, I no longer closed my eyes. He was kicking and kicking. And I woke up to just pick him up and take him. Our electric blanket was on fire. <laughs> That's why he was kicking. <laughs> so he has made it known, Dad, you owe me your life. But he had a need. See, he had a need. He had a need to be with his mom and dad. And no matter what, what hour, like I said, I kid you not, four hours, that was it. When we are born again, the Spirit of God creates a desire for Jesus in our lives. We begin to find ourselves drawn to God Desiring what God desires, wanting what God gives. It's a prelude, my friends. It begins to show us what we can have when Jesus Christ is our Savior. And like this man, he's hungry and he's thirsty and he wants to know, who is this talking about? And Philip preached Jesus to him. Look at verse 35. Philip shared with the man 
the Old Testament passage. And the word preach there is not like I'm doing this morning. The word preach there is to share. Is to be sitting beside someone and sharing. And I can give you examples of this in my own ministry in Toronto. When I sat beside uh, a, a lady who wanted to talk with me about a problem she was going through. And, and she, that night she came to my city. It's the only time she could come. And my, my, where we lived was just, I used to walk back and forth to the, to the church because it was, it was not far away. And as she was telling me her burden, the one thing the Holy Spirit was making known to me is, Winston, this lady is not here for this problem. Her problem is that she has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. I was scared. This, this, was, this was not, this lady was an accountant in, 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 in the city of Toronto. And I listened to her intently and the Holy Spirit kept my mouth shut until she was finished. And I said to her, you know, I've listened to you, but I, I have the strange feeling that you are not here because of the situation you're facing. You are here to hear the gospel. And I shared the gospel with her. And that night she asked Christ into her life. Years later I met her at another church I was preaching. There she was. See the prelude to the whole thirst of the human heart. Is to have the gap that is there filled by the gospel. Filled with Christ. For this, the, the, the Augustine said that. Our lives are restless until they find their rest in God, or there is a sharp, there's a God-shaped vacuum in our hearts, and it can only be filled when Jesus Christ fills that vacuum. That's what happened to this man. Listen, he went for the Passover, but his heart was still hungry. He got halfway home, and he was still thinking, it didn't, didn't do the trick. The gap is still there. And Philip, assigned by God, and so Philip shared with him, this happened three other times in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, verses 47 to 48. Peter and the centurion. He shared Christ with him. He became a Christian. Acts 16, 31. Here's this man who is, who is a, a jailer and an earthquake. <laughs> and, and, and the jailer woke up from his sleep, thought that the prisoners were gone. And he said, what am I going to do? He asked, what shall I do to be saved? And they shared Jesus with him. Right there. Right there. And in Acts 2.38. Now please listen. I want you to see that in each of these cases, each of these cases was followed by baptism. Each of them. First, as they were going, as they were going down the road, Philip continued to share with him. They came to a place and they saw water. Philip didn't say it. The Ethiopian said, there is water. What is preventing me from being baptized? See, it came out. It came out. There was the prelude. There was the process. And now here comes the pleasure. He asked the question. It was not Philip who said, you know, you should be baptized now that you're a believer. You know what we do? We have placed baptism with membership. I was brought up in a church where you could not take communion 
until you were a member. <laughs> you could belong to the family of God, but if you didn't belong to that denomination, no, no communion for you. No, friends. Listen. Look, look at these three cases, and I'll close with this. In the one hand, in the one hand, we have this man at midnight. Now, no synagogue was open at midnight. So where would he go to be baptized? You know what I believe? I don't have chapter and verse for it. But he had a swimming pool. Or they sprinkled him. You can ask me questions later on. <laughs> the mode, I believe, is, is dipping. But we're told they went home, cleaned his wounds, and that very hour he was baptized. The Ethiopian... On the way back to Candace, her boss, his boss, he said to Philip, why can't I be baptized? I believe. Some verses do away with verse 37. I'm not going to get into that this morning. The same thing is true with Cornelius in chapter 10. And so we have these examples. In no case do we see children being baptized because a father is our mother is. When we read of the Philippian jailer that his household, if you look at the tense of the verb and, and the subject of the verb, you will see he's talking about those who believe and receive, not children. Children are protected by the godliness of the parents until they become of age. And who knows when that is? You know, kids are growing up so fast these days. When I was a kid, it used to be 12. What is it now? I don't know. I have, I, have a, I have a granddaughter, and she should have gotten it three years ago. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant little girl. And believe me, she is. Uh, love science. Love, I mean, she has a brilliant father and mother. And uh, so, you know, what can I say? Her brother was baptized at 12. But what I want you to see, dear friends, that historically, baptism includes children, and I don't think the Bible does. There is not a verse of scripture in the New Testament that suggests that children are a part of the baptismal process. When that child gets to the age of accountability, where they know the difference between right and wrong, where they're able to understand substitutionary death explained by their pastor, and explained ultimately by their parents, then that child is eligible, and that child is eight or nine or ten, and they can attest. My, my daughter became a, a Christian, a believing in Jesus when she was only four, and she has never doubted her salvation, never. She was baptized later on. But why do we wait so long? You know why? We wait that long because we want to make sure you did it. God doesn't play with us, friends. If you believe, you are baptized. I'll tell you why later on as we go through the next series. But I want you to see, if you have wondered why, and again, some might wonder why I've taken this long to speak on this because the text speaks of it. I don't create text to speak on. It comes out of the text. Paul said, and in him you were all baptized. And you will see that what was taking place on the cross was the circumcision, namely that which would lead us to be baptized by the Spirit 
into the family of God. I trust I have not confused the matter for you. And if you have questions, feel free to talk with me. It's not completed. You've only gotten two-thirds of the message. One-third will come in two weeks, Lord's willing. Let's pray. Father, I pray that the Spirit himself may have started a work that only he can complete. And Father, that each and every one of us will understand the significance of baptism. Why? Because Jesus himself called us to be. So I pray that this message may have awakened minds and conscience to something that may have been discussed, thought of, ignored. But Father, I pray that you will complete it for your glory and the good of Christ's followers, I pray in his name. Amen.